0: Good morning, church. It's great to be here this morning, is it not? Well, my name is Brian Monafo, and as John mentioned, uh, if you weren't here for the announcements, uh, I'm the high school youth pastor here at Grace Chapel, and so I'm privileged and honored to be here to present to you all uh, the message that I feel like God has given me um, to share with you all. So um, to get started, uh, I want us to just do a little exercise that's a little different. Um, I would like everybody just to close your eyes for just a second. Just close your eyes. Now, I want you to get comfortable, okay? So get your body comfortable and keeping your eyes closed. I want you to slow yourself down. Just slow down. Slow your breathing down. Slow your thoughts. Slow everything that's within you. Let go of the anxiety of the task that your day holds. The obligations that you have today and throughout the week. Your plans for lunch or dinner. Let it go. The demands of this world, whether it's your job or how you're going to financially provide. The burdens you may be experiencing or the struggles of relationships you're trying to hold on to. The strain of being a good parent or a good son or daughter. Let go of anything that tries to steal your attention this morning and tries to take you away from hearing from God. And now, still with your eyes closed, with with everything emptied and, and your heart where it needs to be and your mind ready to receive something, I want you to focus on this one thing, that this morning you have freedom in Christ. There is freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to build up this time of quietness just with that truth. Let it resonate in your whole being, in your heart, in everything you have, that there is freedom, that you no longer have to live in the bondage Of the the difficulties of this world and the challenges and the struggles and the stress and the trials. Just know that you can confide in knowing the truth that there is freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And together we are a royal priesthood under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. That we can gather corporately as the body of Christ with, with that truth of knowing that we have freedom to join and worship God. Okay, you can open your eyes. I like to do that exercise because sometimes before you can hear from God, you really have to quiet yourself and just put yourself in a place for God to really speak um, to you. Sorry if I'm, I'm popping on here on you. Um, so I just wanted to take that moment to reflect and remember just who it is we gather here to worship and remember the freedom that we have in Christ to do that. Uh, I, I know it's, it's, it's difficult to remember at times, but we have the, the freedom to be the body of Christ and know that we can join in these... In this building, um, with the freedom of knowing that we get to, to corporately worship Christ together. And that's, that's special because not everybody gets to experience that. Not everybody gets that that honor and privilege of knowing that we can come together in freedom uh, through Christ. And so tonight, or this morning, what we have is really special. Uh, and so what I want us to do is just look around you for a second. Look around, just take, take a few seconds, look around. Everybody look around at the people around you. What we have is really special, and I think we can take it for granted often. We have the body of Christ here represented before us, and that's a special opportunity that here the people you see, the congregation, represents the church, not four walls, but the body of Christ. And and what we get to do here every Sunday morning is something special, and we should take joy and, and find rest and, and hope in that we get to corporately come to worship God. Again, I want you to imagine with me for a second, Imagine that we just we just showed up. All of us made the decision to drive to Grace Chapel. We just walked through these doors, and we all just sat down. Just now, we all just sat down. The worship team didn't have anything planned, so there's not going to be any worship that was scheduled. There were no announcements. No announcements are going to be given. And I didn't prepare a message for you. Basically, everything that we can do here in this hour and 15 minutes is, is up for us to decide. What do we want to do? It's not been planned for us. How are we going to, as the body of Christ, utilize this time, here and now, as the body? How are we going to do it? So if there's, if there's no worship, if there's no announcements and there's no message, what are we going to do? If we have that freedom, what is the body of Christ going to do? And that's kind of the challenge that I want us to look at and get back to, that why I feel like God has given me this message. Because I know that God wants us to know what is the role of the church. And so if we have this hour and 15 minutes before us to decide what are we going to do, that should be your question. What, what is, if there's nothing planned, then what is, is, what is, is, is expected of me? What is, is expected of us corporately? What is the role of the church? What, why does the church exist? Those questions should be going through your head. Why have you made the decision to come to Grace Chapel and serve as the greater part of the body? Why? And so those are some of the questions I feel like God wants us to address and answer. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Acts is matthew mark luke john then acts and, and acts if you always wonder why it's called acts it's because the, the acts of the apostles but more specifically it's the acts of the holy spirit what the holy spirit does when it comes and so go ahead and turn to acts and if i could just take a second to make a little plug here about um bringing your bibles i know here at grace chapel we we have i mean the blessing of two nice big screens for you to look up at um, to see the scripture that's up there. And, and I normally, I, I get complacent in knowing that I have the screens at, at my disposal that I can just, oh, I know that they'll have the screens up there and I'm going to bring my own Bible. But if I can just encourage you, um, and I encourage the youth with this same thing is, is I'm always challenging them. Bring your own Bible because I, I don't know how to explain it, but all I can and tell you is that I know that something, uh, something happens when the word of God is open before you. And I hope that you would bring your own sword to dive into. It's kind of like, you know, where Jesus says that he doesn't live on food alone, uh, but on the word of God. And, And so I kind of envision the Bible being like a banquet table. And so when we come here together corporately as the body of Christ, we get the pleasure of getting to dive into our own feast, the very thing that Jesus lived off of. And so I hope that um, you, you, I encourage you to bring your own Bible so that you can dive into that feast, that yes, you can have it up on the screens, but know your own sword, know your own Bible. Uh, you know where that's at, and, and something divine transpires there. I don't know how to explain that, but I encourage you to do that on a regular basis. Always have your Bible with you, um, specifically here at church when we come to study the Word of God. Um, if you don't own a Bible, I know we've got... Uh, some some stands over here with different bibles so if if you don't have one and you're like you know that's that's great brian i appreciate your encouragement but um i don't have one well by all means take one of these bibles we want to be a church that that gives out the word of god um, that's our basis for everything we do our our source of truth and so we would love to give you one of those i think there's maybe another one out in the foyer too um, so i encourage you to bring your bibles so open up to acts chapter 2 um, verse 42 through 47 is what we're going to be looking at here By the way, just if I can make another plug, something really cool that I've learned is if you really want a neat little exercise to get to know somebody better is uh, trade them Bibles for a week. Uh, One of the coolest things that I found is is as you're using somebody else's sword or, or their Bible, it's so cool to see the different things they've highlighted or they've underlined, or the little notes they make out on the side. Because I think what happens is, is as you read somebody else's Bible, you, you're able to see through a lens that, that they see through whenever they approach the Word of God. And it tells you a lot about that person. And so, um, take, that, take that challenge up. Read somebody else's Bible for a week, and, and you'll begin to see different things, different tendencies in the Scripture they highlight, and things that really stand out to them. It's a really cool thing to do. So anyways, I'll just make that plug right there for that. Um. So, anyways, getting in here to Acts chapter 2 in, in the early church, uh, just to give you some background information on, on what has transpired here, what has happened, what has happened leading up to this point where we're starting um, within the first body of believers. Well, first off, Jesus, he, he died, and he was buried, and then he resurrected. And then. Uh, He appeared to different groups of people, some small groups, one or two, and then to large groups. And he appeared multiple times to these different people, and and showing himself, look, I've risen. Put your, you know, to Thomas, put your hand in my side, and and see that I'm, I'm, I've I've risen. I've come back. Um, And so he did this, and then he he departed after empowering his people and encouraging them. He went up on a cloud back into heaven, and then uh, the disciples. What else is happening? The disciples named Matthias, then the twelfth disciple in place of uh, Judas. Um, and then we know on the day of Pentecost up in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came and was given to, uh, God's people, his church. And so in just a few, in a couple days, in fact, Jesus says in just a couple days, I will give you my, my Holy Spirit. And so this is all happened just within a few days. That's a lot from Jesus leaving to naming the 12th disciple to being given the Holy Spirit. Like this is a lot that's taken place. And so just as you know from reading Acts, Peter, whenever he explains what has happened, whenever, you know, everybody's speaking in, in tongues and different things are going, he's saying, you know, they're proclaiming the mysteries of God to you um, in their own language. And so people came to faith, and he, he preached Jesus Christ in the gospel, the good news. And so it says, and 3,000 people just in that time came to know Christ. And so God is moving here. And just just so you know what's unpacking as we're moving into this next part, God is on the move. 3,000 people, that's a lot of people, come came to know christ and so that's where we start off here in the in the fellowship of believers and much like them they're like us this morning as we gathered with the profession of christ here this morning and so what do we do and that was the same question they asked they were asking themselves and that's why it's important for us to look at this this is the first depiction of of the fellowship of believers in the early church and the body of christ is to how do we spend our time if we all are in allegiance to jesus christ what do we do and that is why i want us to look at this so if you will um in verse 42 here it says it says they devoted themselves. I, I just want to stop right there because I think to get the full impact of this passage, we have to understand how words are defined and what they mean. And and so the key word here is is de- devoted themselves. And one of the things I normally like to do with the youth at Veritas is to understand the full meaning is to define words. And so I want us to kind of define the word devoted. What what does it mean to be devoted? Because if they devoted themselves to all these different four things that we're going to be looking at this morning, what does it really mean to be devoted? Well, being a resourceful guy, I went and looked it up for you. I uh, got a couple definitions here. The the first one says, characterized by loyalty and devotion. And it it gives a synonym, it says faithfulness. So I want to check out another one. I looked up another definition. It says, uh, dedicated exclusively to a purpose or use. And he gave the synonym, priority. And so we see here within two definitions that the word devoted means faithfulness and priority. The consistency to continue to to meet, to do the, the task at hand, and to not just meet but make it a priority. It's first on your list. And I couldn't imagine two better words to describe what the word devoted means. Faithfulness and priority. And so that's what we see the early church. They were devoted. They were faithful and they made it a priority to devote themselves and so let's find out what it says here, the very first thing uh, that the word says that they devoted themselves to. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so what does it mean by teaching? Well, just as we kind of mentioned, what Peter has already done is, is he was teaching the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the baptism and repentance of sin. The being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what they they were teaching. And that is the teaching found in the Word of God. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Him. That He is the only means of salvation and edification. And that is what we find in the Word of God when we open it up. That it is a source of salvation, of knowing truth, and then making yourself edified. In fact, in college, I had this... uh, one of the golf coaches, his name was uh, PJ. And PJ was really, he was kind of older, um, but he had a lot of spunk to him. He was one of those cool older people that, you know, a lot of the young people gravitate towards because he had a lot of life And uh, in taking into consideration how old he was. And, and PJ would always look at me and he'd go, Monifo? He goes, two things. There's two things, Monifo. And I would just smile and grin because I knew what he was talking about. He, he would always say, that, he said, Brian, there's two things that matter in life. One, did you know Jesus? And two, what did you do with him? And so he'd always look at me, and he knew I knew Jesus. But every time he would ask me in the hall or around campus, he'd always go, two things, Monifo, two things. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because he was asking me today, what am I doing for Jesus? What are, what are you doing for Jesus? What are we corporately as the body of Christ doing for Jesus? Uh, what are we doing with him? And so it's important for us to know what we're doing with his teaching and the Word of God. 2 Timothy uh, 3, verses 14 through 17 says this. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that you may be a man of God and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. And, and that's so true, guys, is, is the Word of God is is our source of teaching. And so when it says the apostles devoted themselves to teaching, they're talking about getting into this book right here, diving into this, to studying it, to knowing it, to knowing the teachings of Jesus Christ and what we're about corporately as the body of Christ. And so whenever we, we as leaders and, and uh, pastors here at Grace Chapel, whenever we encourage you to get involved in like a life group, or a small group, or a Bible study, or whether it's Mosaic, or Veritas, or Fusion, the different ministry opportunities that we have for you, we, we mean it, because we know that one of the roles of the church is to study the Word of God, to get into the teaching that Jesus taught. And so I encourage you again this morning to say, if you, if you haven't got connected here at Grace Chapel, if you haven't done any of those things to, to plug yourself in, I encourage you to, because that is what we're called to do as, as the church to get connected and study the Word of God. Those places are what we're able to offer to get you grounded in your faith. And so studying the Word of God and holding true to the teaching is one of the things that we see that they devoted themselves to. If we continue on in verse 42, it's it's a packed verse. Just 42 has so much in it. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then it goes on to say, and to the fellowship. And if you're like me, I grew up uh, going to a, a Baptist church when I was younger and when I heard the word "fellowship," of course, like some of you all, you, you might gravitate towards the thought of food and that 's exactly what it was for us is when I heard fellowship, it meant lots and lots of food i 'm not just talking about like, just food i 'm talking about like really good food, like everybody put so much into it. it was a feast. it was amazing we We definitely ate so much and so that was my, that was my understanding of um, of fellowship, and so our common bond of of interest. Uh, and belonging is found in Christ Jesus. And when we devote ourselves to meeting together, we are reminded of what it is that we are fighting for. And so part of being a fellowship, I want, I want to again define the word for you. And one of, the, one of the definitions I have here is it says, a community of interest or feelings. It says, the act of belonging. And so by you choosing to be here at Grace Chapel this morning, you are saying that I, I am belonging to this body to this fellowship. And when I say the church, I'm referring to the body of Christ, each of us as a person and as a people. Um, and so we are one in fellowship. We, uh, we give our allegiance to Jesus Christ in recognition of that. Another, I'll refer back to college and my experience in college a lot. And, and another thing that I experienced in college was in our cafeteria, it was always interesting to see that uh, you'd always have the soccer team, the, the baseball team, the football team, track, tennis, and they would all sit together. And it wasn't because at Campbellsville we were very clicky, but it was because we we went through so much together that it was just a no-brainer that I'm going to sit with people that have gone to war with me. We've, we fought the battles together. We've died on the hills together. I know one of the, one of the most traumatic times in my life was uh, during what we called um, hell weeks, at, at our conditioning for soccer. I, I played soccer at Campbellsville and for all four years, and I know one of the most traumatic experiences for me, it was getting up at five in the morning for a whole week and having to run conditioning. And I'm telling you, if I still get up at five this morning or five any morning, my my insides will convulse. I start to shake because my body, it it does, I'm not even lying, my body remembers the trauma. Even how many years it is after now that I've been out of college, my body remembers the, the torture and the pain that I wouldn't wish on anybody that I had to go through. It was, it was terrible. And I know that that sense of community and, and that camaraderie that, that came about our team was because we laid it on the line for each other. That when we crossed that line and we were simultaneously puking, it wasn't because it was fun. It was, it was because we devoted ourselves to the, to the fact that we wanted to be the best team. And I can, I can remember countless times there's this one one park that we went to called Miller Park, and it was this giant hill. And I mean, just standing at the bottom just made me want to throw up in itself without even running because it was, oh, the thought. I, I get sick even thinking about it now. It's just, oh, I hate thinking about it. But it was horrible. And I remember one time we all finished, me and my roommate and a, two or three other guys that were all in the same grade, we finished at the same time. And I, I, I can remember we are all bending over and we all puke water up exact same time. And I'm sure you probably didn't want to hear that. But that just goes to show you, we were laying it on the line for each other. And so when I talk about the word fellowship, and it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship, it, they naturally wanted to be together because they did life together. They laid it on the line together. And when I, if, you're, if you haven't played sports and you don't know what I mean by laying it on the line, Basically, when you've given it all you've got and you've got nothing left and the coach is telling you to get back up on the line, you're laying it all on the line. You're saying, there's not much left, but I'm willing to give it. I'm up on the line ready for that whistle. I'm going to run again. And it was a horrible feeling, but that's, that's what I'm talking about, about fellowship. And so are we as the body of Christ, are we willing to lay it on the line for each other? Are you giving your all for the sake of Christ and the king that we're trying to build Uh, And as I'll mention later, it's because when one part suffers, it all suffers. And if one part rejoices, we all get to rejoice. If one part is honored, we all get to rejoice. And so we are the fellowship in Jesus Christ. Our allegiance is given to, to Christ. And that is why we join here as the body of Christ. And so when it says, and they devoted themselves to fellowship, they're saying, we as the body, we laid it on the line for each other. We devoted ourselves to the cause. And we're running it with all that we've got. And so that's my challenge for you is is the fellowship. Are we in fellowship with one another? Next thing is, uh, it says they devoted themselves uh, to the teaching and to the fellowship. And it says, and then to the breaking of bread. And some of you guys, you're just now realizing, oh, well, that's why they're always talking about Rockefeller's pizza. They're talking about eating. Um, And while we're advocates of Rockefeller's pizza, that's that's not why uh, we always have... Pizza here is be, because of the breaking of bread. And, and most people at first glance would think that when it says uh, the breaking of bread, there's some, oh, they, well, they ate together. And while yes, that's true. And you saw countless times where that's how Jesus engaged his disciples in the community. It's more than just eating. And I think if we unpack the scripture a little bit, and what does it mean when it says, and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, we understand that there's a deeper meaning behind uh, this understanding of breaking bread together. And what, I, what it's referring to is the Lord's Supper. And when, If you remember in the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and gave thanks. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so what Jesus isn't saying, he's saying, remember to feed yourself. No, he's not saying that. Obviously, you're going to know you need to feed yourself. What he's saying, though, is he's saying, when you come together in fellowship as the body of Christ, you guys being my disciples, do this in remembrance of your allegiance to me. And that's Jesus saying that. He's saying, remember me. So when you continue to meet, and just like the early church here when they're in fellowship and the 3,000 plus people are getting together, Jesus' request was, remember me. Because I think you can look around the world and and you can look at a lot of other churches and that they've forgotten their first love. The the, the foundation of Jesus Christ of which the church was built upon isn't anymore a church. It's a social club. It's a social gathering. And so my hope and my prayer is that we too would partake in the breaking of bread, not just to feed ourselves but so that we remember who our allegiance is to. It's to Jesus Christ. And that is the sole reason and purpose of why we, you've, hopefully you've come here this morning, is to be one with Jesus Christ in fellowship and to the breaking of bread with him. Uh, the next thing, as you go through the scripture here, it says, uh, and they devoted themselves also to prayer. And that's the fourth thing, and the, the last thing of the, of the four that I want to talk about. And James five sixteen says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I believe it's just that that, that prayer does amazing things. Uh, if you're like me, you're still learning the fullness of prayer and what, what, what can really happen whenever you pray. But there's three things here that I know happens for me whenever I pray. And that's one, it reminds me that He's in control of every situation. When I go before God in prayer, regardless whatever situation or circumstance or scenario the, the day holds or the week holds, I know that God is in control. And so by going to God... Uh, I I know that I am submitting myself to saying, God, you're in control. This may be a trial and this may be tough, but I'm trusting you with being in control. And so it reminds me that he is in control of every situation. Second thing is that it helps us to stay focused on our purpose in building the kingdom of God. When I go to prayer and I quiet myself kind of like we did this morning and you just let God speak to you, uh, something happens there. And I'm reminded, the Spirit reminds me of what it is, my, my purpose, my role, and why I exist. And so it's like he, he feeds me. He gives me truth, and He just speaks over me. And so it helps us to stay focused on the purpose in building the kingdom of God. And thirdly, when done in faith, prayer can move the hand of God to intervene on our behalf. And when you read the Bible, hopefully you've encountered stories where God has done some amazing things. You talk about Moses in the Red Sea, or Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, um, or D- Daniel and the lion's den, countless times, because of, uh, of one person's faithfulness, God moved in a mighty way. And I know that through prayer, God can, it can move the hand of God because of our faithfulness and belief that He can do exactly that. And so prayer is very powerful, and that is what also it says they devoted themselves to. So the four things it says they devoted themselves to the teaching, that's the studying of God's Word, to the fellowship, Allegiance to Jesus Christ, never forsaking your first love, knowing who Jesus is within us and why we gather here. Thirdly, to the breaking of bread, that we, we remember that Jesus is our, our first priority. And then fourthly is to prayer, is always praying. Um, in fact, Scripture says that we should pray unceasingly. Uh, and one thing that I learned about prayer is that God is, God is most there with me in my time of prayer when I most want to be there. And for some of you young, young students, I, I know this is something that was really difficult for me because at church, you always hear talk about prayer, 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 prayer. And it's always kind of like, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I, I go to prayer, nothing happens. Okay. I prayed, I'm done. But one of the things I really had to learn about myself was that in order for prayer to be effective, I have to quiet myself and make sure my heart and my spirit is right for God to speak to me. And and that sometimes that requires patience. Some of the most powerful prayers I know are the most patient people because they they've learned to wait on God. So when they go to God before before God in prayer, they 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 check themselves, they slow themselves down, they get their their mind and their heart in a place where God can speak to them, and then He speaks. And that's whenever prayer is powerful. And so for some some of you that's struggling, like I just don't understand prayer in the time, be patient. And in your patience, I think God will show up. And so when. God is most there when I most want to be there. Make sure you're there. I don't know if you've ever been talking to somebody um, and you can just tell they're so not cluing in with you and they're just kind of looking at you, nodding their head, and you're like, "You're okay, I'm just going to stop because you're not even listening. In fact that happened the other day, I was in my office and my, my brother, Robbie, who came up to visit, was talking to me and he's like, man, you do that a lot. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you do that? He's like, he's like, I'm talking to you and I can tell you're not even paying attention to me. You're just thinking off about something else. And so we had a little laugh and I was like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes I do that. My, my mind just starts thinking about other things that you're talking about. and I just kind of go there, but it's, it's frustrating. You know, whenever I think God feels the same way when we try to go before God in prayer and our mind and our heart is really somewhere else. Well, it's kind of easy to understand why God doesn't speak to us because we're not there because we don't want to be there. And so when you go before God, make sure you want to be there. And if you really want to be there, I think God will show up. I think he'll speak to you. Um, And so we know that Jesus even prayed, and it was an essential part of his faith no matter what stage of your your faith that you're in. Uh, Prayer is communion with God, and we should take every opportunity to do so. The next thing I want to do is I want to go on and read kind of the the follow-through of these verses, because that, that was just all verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And now I want, I want you to see the outcome, the fruit that comes out of those four pillars being the part of the early church of what they commit to. It says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that's exciting. Is is that not awesome? Does that not get you excited? Does a little fire just kind of flare up inside you? Because that is exactly what the church is supposed to be. And so when we, when we paint that scenario of, okay, we just showed up, and what is the church going to do? There's no music, there's no announcements, there's no message. We have that task of saying, is this us? Whatever it is we choose to do, is this going to reflect us? And so that is what is exciting. This is the church that I want to be. Um, specifically, this last part where it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Uh, we, being a part of the body of Christ isn't just about having our nice little group um, and yay, we, we got Grace Chapel. That's where our home is, our home church. You know, it's about the, the movement of God and building up the kingdom of God. And there's nothing more exciting for me than seeing people come to know Christ and to, and to join us. Just like when it says "and 3,000 came to know Christ. Like I'm sure that was an amazing time for the apostles and the disciples to say, okay, God is really moving here. And that is what I hope in my prayer for our church is that we won't just be a church just with a name, but we will be a church with a lifestyle that pursues Christ and building the kingdom of God. That people are jumping on board with us in this ship and saying, I want to be sold out for Christ because God is doing amazing things here at Grace Chapel. And, and that's what I hope for. That's what I hope for the youth. That's what I hope for all of us. And, and the youth have really blessed me this past summer. Um, and just seeing their their true desire to see their friends who don't know Christ come and be a part of what God is doing in our youth ministry. And it's just so exciting to see just new, new, more and more faces and pe- meeting students I don't know um, and seeing how the students are the ones that's getting their friends there because they believe that God is doing something special in our youth ministry. And I know the tr- same is true in Fusion. And it, it's encouraging and for us as pastors to see the fruit that isn't just us saying, hey, you should come, hey, you should come. But because the people themselves believe in the church and what God is doing here in the body of Christ. And so I hope that we as the body of Christ believe in the church and what God is doing here, that we would invite and let people be a part of what God is doing through us. Um, so the youth blessed me with that. So to kind of recap again, uh, in Acts 42, there's four things that I want you to remember. is That they devoted themselves to the teaching um, and, and taking that teaching to the world that's the teaching of Jesus Christ. Second thing is they devoted themselves to one another in fellowship. They laid it on the line together. They, they gave it all they got. Thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and remembering our allegiance and how it lies in Christ. Our allegiance and our sole purpose for meeting here today is because of Jesus Christ. And fourthly, to devote ourselves to prayer. And that's communion, constant communion with God. Um... In addition to this question of what is our role as the body of Christ, I want to read for you a section of scripture. And it's, it's kind of long, but I, I want to read through it. It's 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 26, but th- I couldn't pick out a more appropriate scripture to read for you all this morning that highlights what are we. Okay, I understand why the church exists now, but what does it look like um, and what does that mean of us? So First Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26, it's called One Body, Many Parts. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weakest are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, are we, we treat with special honor. And the parts that, we, that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And that's where I want to stop right there. I just want to make another reference to my college days back at soccer. Um, Aside from hell week and our week in conditioning, um, one of the other things I hated the most about playing college soccer, while I loved it, it was a great experience, was our coach uh, made a mandate within this philosophy that if, if you didn't go to class, if just one person missed class, everybody had to get up At five in the morning, the next day, and we ran this, these things, which is kind of what I I feel is like a cuss word, so I'll kind of whisper it to you, but these things called bouts, and bouts, (laughs) I hate saying that word, bouts were these things you had three minutes to run the length of the field and back, 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 and so it was four up and backs in three minutes. And I'm telling you, <laughs> this was hard. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember running my first one, and I was coming across my last fourth, uh, back and forth at like four minutes. And he's like, you boys better hurry up, because you're cutting off, uh, you're, you're, you're cutting into your resting time, because there would be two groups. First group would go, and he'd have a timer for three minutes. And when the next six minutes hit, that meant that the next group was going again. And so if you came in late, it wasn't like, oh, great, there's no accountability, I can just run at my own pace. You've got 30 seconds to rest then, and then you're going again. And so we would do seven or eight of these, whole sets of bouts, four up and backs. And I'm talking, you you were just dying across the finish line. You were so exhausted. It was horrible. And so when Scripture says... Uh, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is a nice little verse. You're like, oh, that's a wonderful Christian thing to say. But when I when I read that, I, I relate back to the role that was in college soccer. And it wasn't fun. This is a hard teaching. Because if one one other teammate decided to just miss class or they slept over... That meant all 26 of us on the team got up the next morning and ran for about an hour and a half to two hours. And you talk about the anger and the furiousness. And, and it was an NAIA school in the conference that we played. And in, in, in NAIA, there's not a uh, restraint as to how many international students you can have where other divisions have like a limit to two. And so uh, we had a lot of international students, and let's just say that international students don't have the same priority within time and commitment and integrity, and so I can't tell you how many times I wanted to just tear apart uh, some of the, the Africans or the South Americans we had on our team, because they just walk up 30 minutes late to practice or, and, and say, yeah, I missed class or whatever. And like it wasn't a big deal, and I'm like, do you know what that means? Do you know what you did to us? And as a captain, I just wanted to be like, oh, I just shake him and headbutt him or something. Not very nice. But I was so mad because I hated running that much. And so it was the same philosophy was true in our soccer team in that if just one person uh, suffered, everyone suffered. And, and that's not fun. But it's true of the body of Christ that if there's just one of us that's holding back as a follower of Christ, that's not giving our all, the whole body suffers. It's like we're all having to get on the line and do it all over again, on the line. I hated that saying, on the line, on the line, on the line. And we have to do it again. It's, it's draining and it's wearing for us as the team, as the body of Christ. And so don't be the one that holds back. Um, my fear is this, and I'll read this for you because I feel like I capture it best in words. My fear is that the church in this generation has become complacent and is in a sense skipping class. My fear is that some of us think that church is about attending a sit-in lecture with no accountability to spiritual growth or repentance of sin. My fear is that some people are more worried about having a coffee in their hand on Sunday morning rather than the word of God. But when I read Acts 2, I don't see self-indulgence. I see self-sacrifice. I don't see selfishness. I see selflessness. I think we have become mistaken to think that church is about is about us rather than how God might choose to use us to bless others. So when we choose to act selfishly and become spiritually self-indulgent, the truth is the whole church suffers just like my whole team suffered whenever uh, just one of us chose to skip out on class. Um, It's kind of like, I think Christianity is pitched whenever you first become a Christian. It's like you're on the beach, you're you're on the shore, and there's this raft, okay? It's like a whitewater raft. Okay, and you're getting into this raging river, all right? and so you're excited, you're pumped. And when you get in, you're told, okay, you've got a specific purpose. You've got to make sure you hold your paddle this way, and you've got to lean this way. You've got to make sure your feet are positioned a certain way. Make sure you're sitting right in this spot. There's all these different things that you have to take into consideration of knowing your role within the whole ship or the body of Christ. And if you don't do your role, the, the ship could or the raft could flip, or if one person doesn't do their part, everyone suffers. But somehow over time, I feel like the church has become complacent and that we, our raft starts to turn into a cruise ship. And I don't know if any of you all have ever gone on like a, a nice cruise, but you know that the cruise is there to serve you. It's, it's a vacation. It's relaxation. It's about you getting the sun, eating the buffet and the wonderful food, and you just kind of sit back and peg out and just do your thing. And that is, that, is, that is what breaks my heart is I feel that the church has moved away from being... Uh, selfless to being selfish they've become self-indulgent we have become self-indulgent to think that we come into church because somebody should serve us rather than we serve someone else because when i read acts 2 i don't see uh, serve us i see service i see people laying it on the line for each other for the greater good of the body of christ Uh, I got a video I would like to show you guys, and his name's Erwin McManus, and the title of this uh, YouTube video is called Give Your Life Away, and and I think he captures it exactly for what I want you to hear about self-indulgence, and so I'll let you watch this video. You all should have picked up one of these cards before you came in. They were being passed out with the bulletins. If you got it, go ahead and take a look at it. Um, On the card says, uh, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored every part rejoices with it. It's 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. 26. Um, my challenge to you guys this morning is is not to be the missing piece. And I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up playing a lot of board games or just games in general. Um, that was a special time with me and my brothers and my sister and my family, of uh, just sitting around together and playing a game. But we had a lot of games growing up and when there's a lot of games, there comes also the, the tendency for a lot of pieces to come missing or to not be there. And so uh, I don't know how many of you all maybe experienced this, but I know um, a game that I really liked was memory uh, growing up. You know, memory where it's like you had uh, duplicates of every card and you laid them all face down and rearranged them. And then you and a person, uh, you would you would flip one card over. And then you would get to choose another card that you got to flip over. And if they matched, you got to take them and you got like a point or something. And at the end of the game, whoever had the most matches won. Well, if you've played that game, it was frustrating if if over time you lost some of those duplicates or those matching cards because there wasn't the other one that you could match. So you could play all day long. You're like, where is that other one? And you're flipping it and you've played for like three hours now and the other duplicate isn't there. It's frustrating whenever the the, the piece is missing because that means as a whole, you can't play the game. It, it's, it's, it's not there. The completeness is gone. Or maybe for some of you all, it was playing the game Hungry Hungry Hippos. I don't know if, if I, probably the youth don't know what that game is like, but I know I was I was a beast at hungry hi, hungry hippos. I'd eat all them marbles up. But you know what? It didn't matter how many hippos you had or how fast you were at eating the marbles. If you lost all the marbles, guess what? The him, the hippos starved, and there was no point in playing the game. Uh, And so, or it could be even like Lego blocks. I know, I spent hours playing Lego blocks. Uh, Me and all my brothers, we just get up in the morning, first thing we do is we pull out these bins of huge Lego blocks. And um, I would find these little, the blueprints or the patterns of how to go about building it. And it was so frustrating. I'd get so far, almost done, almost complete. And I would be digging for hours in all these blocks, and I couldn't find the piece that originally came with the box. And basically, I had to stop. I mean, there's all these half-finished things that I had bought at one time, built, tore apart to build something else. And then when I try to rebuild it, the piece was missing. And when one piece is gone, you're kind of out of luck. There's no point in continuing on with the rest of it. Uh, or maybe for some of you that's really young and you're like, memory and hungry, hungry hippos, how old are you? Like, what are you talking about? Maybe for some of you, it's like your Xbox 360 and you're so excited to play and you get it in there and then you realize that your wireless controller has no batteries. And because you have no batteries, you can no longer play the game. And so it, it goes back to show that um, if just one piece is missing to the overall whole, the whole thing changes. And, and a lot of times it's not even worth doing the whole thing. And so my challenge is for you as the body of Christ is, one, I wanted to teach you this morning. What did the early church do? What, what were the things that they committed themselves to and what should we commit ourselves to? But then more specifically, I want to challenge you with that question of uh, don't be the missing piece all of you, on all of your cards, you have a unique piece that's on here that is different from all the other pieces. And that's the same for you spiritually. You have something to contribute and deposit in within the body of, Christ, body of Christ here at Grace Chapel that is unlike anybody else. And so your piece is unique and it's special. And my hope and my prayer is that when you come to serve rather than be served here, that you won't take this piece and stick it in your pocket and say, it's mine. But no, you come to Grace Chapel saying, God, who can I deposit my piece, my special spiritual gifts to this morning? How can I bless somebody else? And I think that if we're that church, a church of service instead of serve us, I think God will bless it. And I think that's when we're going to see people coming and getting on this ship with us and saying, whoa, God is doing amazing things at Grace Chapel and I want to be a part of it. And so that is my hope and my prayer for you this morning. So if you will, would you just bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, we love you so much. Thank you so much for for being here with us this morning. Lord, for being in, in our time of worship, of, uh, just our time of teaching, our time of fellowship, our time of uh, just giving our allegiance to you, Lord, and to our time of prayer, Father. I pray that this, uh, this hour would have been edifying to all of us as, as believers, as the body of Christ, Lord. I pray that we would rise up in this generation to be a movement of God, not just a, a church with a tag of Grace Chapel, Lord God, but we would be something special, something unique that you use to build your kingdom, Father. May we not forget the four things that we're called to be. And may we choose to serve others instead of serving us. Lord, we thank you so much for how you've blessed us and what you have in store for us today. Would you go before us, uh, lead us into the conversations that you want us to have. Let us serve and to love on others uh, and to seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, we love you in His name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.